In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing the Cornelius Project. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today, we're going to be discussing the article, Blue Life Support. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This verse is Acts 10, verses 1 and 2, and it reads like this. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with his house, which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. A great verse for us today because one of the first people ever saved by Jesus the Christ was actually a soldier. And one could also argue, based on the time, this ancient time, that in a sense he was also a police officer. It was up to the soldiers to maintain a certain level of order in these different communities. In a sense, they were an occupying force but at the same time, they created a type of Roman peace, if you will, a type of stability and strength that, can, that prevented things from really spinning out of control. So in a lot of ways, they were police officers. So that's what we're going to be discussing today, is really law enforcement officers, current and, and former law enforcement, retired, and just how much stress and just how much um, really they're at risk in a lot of ways. And as Christians or any followers of God, you know, it's very important that we support these types of people that are making our lives safe. You know, I think about here in America, for the most part, most of us live relatively comfortable lives. We don't spend a lot of time worrying about our safety and security. Now, we still do need to be thinking about it to some extent, but in comparison to other places around the world, we really have it made. We are surrounded and protected by extremely strong military. We are protected by law enforcement, from deputies, from police officers, from all these different organizations, and we can live our lives in relative peace. And so we need to be thinking about them and thinking about how we can reach out to them and help them, especially in times of crisis, especially in times of great difficulty. So before I continue, this is one of those programs that, you know, normally I tell you, share it with your team, share it with, you know, other volunteers and staff and that kind of stuff. I would actually ask you to share this to everybody because it concerns all of us. You know, law enforcement is very important to all of us and we need to be supportive of it as much as we possibly can be. So let me start in the news. The first one is Milwaukee, Wisconsin, April 9, 2015. The Milwaukee police chief, Ed Flynn, wrote an editorial which was uh, published by Time magazine. He discussed that the, the then current state of public pressure on police. Um, the timing was not long after the unarmed African-American was shot by police in South Carolina. 
the law enforcement officers around the country, this um, increased the pressure on them. They were figuratively always looking over their shoulders, expecting close scrutiny to every move they made. <clears throat> Flynn said that officers were depressed by the current environment today. At the time of the article was written, crime in Milwaukee had increased significantly over the previous year, especially auto thefts and homicides. News stories seldom look at the data but focused on the latest um, heated incident. For example, the fact that fewer use of force incidents was essentially ignored. Um, Flynn stated that police officers at the time, 2015, were incre increasingly depressed. The, the depression was being driven by excessive criticism and lack of support. The day after the publication date of that issue in the time, Milwaukee TV station reported on an editorial and the report of comments official. So basically what it comes down to is this. If you're in the circles of law enforcement, you realize that morale is at an all-time low. And I mean, it, it, there's no shock here, right? I mean, we've all had jobs or currently have jobs. If our employer, if our boss, our supervisor, our manager is putting a great deal of pressure on us because we're not performing in the way that they want us to perform, plus you have customers that are yelling and screaming at you and saying horrible things about you, you can imagine how all of this pressure can really impact the psyche, the, the psychological health, the mental health of, uh, of you or anyone under that kind of pressure. That kind of scrutiny is hard. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we as Americans can't look upon government agencies, you know, local, state, and federal with scrutiny. We certainly should do that. Um, certainly, the FBI has given us recently given us a lot of things to be concerned about, you know, um, and so we need to look at those with scrutiny. But at the same time, we have to consider two ends of the spectrum, right? It's a very, um, shall, I'll say this with some boldness, is there's a great deal of immaturity involved when you look at a situation and you judge it only from your perspective and your knowledge. You also have to look at it from the other side and see what they're thinking and what they understand. You know, this is kind of like high school speech class, right? Or high school debate. The best way to debate your point of view, the best way to understand your point of view is if you also understand the opposing point of view. And that can be a real challenge because sometimes there's a lot of emotions in this. And so basically what's happening, the other point of view is this, is police officers as early as 2015 were, were experiencing a very low morale. They were really struggling. And people, officers that were, were struggling with things like depression and other issues in their lives um, are, are, of course, responding to this increased pressure. And so we need to be sensitive of that. Um, nationwide, 2020 and 2021, an article by WebMD Mental Health News 
page says that the opinion of law enforcement agencies and police psychologists is that um, police morale is at an all-time low. Um, This grew worse after the George Floyd death um, while in custody. Especially stressed, according to the officer, are African-American officers who feel a strain between being black and being blue. Frankly, the article ignores the fact that much of this is driven by dominant news media acting in concert, mostly ignoring the fact of um, the minority residents and business owners generally uh, want police actively protecting their um, communities, while it's the activists who are pushing an anti-cop agenda. And so you have two things going on here, and I'm sure a lot of you are aware of this. You know, the media is an entertainment industry, and the way they make money is by selling ads. And the way they sell ads and make a lot of money off those ads is if they can say things like, we have a million people that watch us. Well, it's kind of like, you know, coming up not too long from now. Well, it's a while away. You know, think about the Super Bowl. The reason the Super Bowl can charge huge money for their ads is because they have a lot of people watching. Same thing with NASCAR. NASCAR is absolutely crazy huge. And so advertisement is what draws things. Well, the news media, they operate the same way. They want to sell ads. And they've learned that to get more listeners, to get more people watching, they need to be as outrageous as they possibly can be Um, Just like social media is, right? I mean, social media is always about keeping you angry and hateful and frustrated and scared. The news media has learned from social media and has really adopted that kind of approach. So they want to keep you scared. You know, what's the latest disease? What's the latest, you know, horrible news? What's the scary thing? You know, all that kind of stuff. And that's what keeps you tuned in. That's what keeps us all tuned in. And then, of course, more listeners, more watchers, the more ad revenue. And so they've kind of done that. Not only that, we could also make a great argument that media has an agenda. And, of course, they're going to follow what they believe to be the best, you know, talking points, you know, to keep, to kind of influence society. But anyway... What you have now is you have activists and you have the media working together to destroy law enforcement as we know it. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, normal people are actually suffering from these kind of messages. You know, I think about high crime areas and oftentimes, you know, it's the activists that are talking about how bad law enforcement is doing in these high crime areas. Meanwhile, people in these high crime areas where they're saying defund the police and remove the police from these areas. Meanwhile, the common person in these areas is screaming, no, don't. We need more cops. We need more law enforcement. Now, once again, I'm going to say this doesn't mean that we shouldn't look on law enforcement with a certain degree of scrutiny. Maybe we need to review some things. Maybe we need to look at some things. Um, You know, we're always... I think for the most part, you know, law enforcement should always be open to the scrutiny of the public. Um, I'm going to get this completely wrong. What was his name? Robert? Um, anyway, he's considered the, the father of law enforcement. 
one of the things that he said, and it makes a lot of sense, is law enforcement is empowered by the community, so therefore law enforcement can't work beyond or do more than what the community wants. So if the community wants little from law enforcement, then that's all that law enforcement can do. If they want much, then they can do much. And so here we are, we're at this time where activists and the media makes it look like we want very, very little from law enforcement, whilst many others, the commoner, wants even more. All right, moving on, Chicago, Illinois, um, July 16, 2022. In a short period of time, three Chicago police officers committed suicide and a fourth attempted it. Um, just retired 16-year veteran officer said it is extreme stress. She and the Fraternal Order of Police president said um, more should be done, such as using uh, counselors and social workers to help officers deal with the stress. So here's another situation, right? So if law enforcement, so let's just remove everything that's going on. If, if a law enforcement officer is struggling with life, maybe it's home life, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's financial, maybe it's, you know, I mean, all of million things that all of us experience stress from. If you take that person and you put them out on the road and put that, which is nothing more than a pressure cooker of crime and bad things happening, you know, you've probably heard this statement, law enforcement only sees good people on their bad days and bad people all the time. And so, and that's a paraphrase, sorry about that. But my point here is this, is law enforcement is extremely negative occupation to be a part of. So if they go into that pressure cooker, they go into that negative environment, while they're still struggling, can you see how that affects how they might do their job? It is. You know, we like to think that they're all, you know, their heart is encased in armor and their mind is completely controllable at all times. And that's not true. They're human beings just like us. And so what this article is talking about is the fact that if we can start addressing their mental and spiritual health, then that's going to make for better law enforcement officers. Unfortunately, the culture is almost what it used to be in the military many years ago. And that was, there was zero counseling. There was zero support. If you had mental health issues, you were out of the military. You were gone. But the military has changed. They're trying to provide, and I'm not saying they're successful. I know some of you are suffering from this, but they're trying harder to do the right thing. They're not there yet, but they're trying it. But this isn't really happening in law enforcement yet. It's still a very macho, I don't need any help from anybody kind of environment. And it's only going to be as we change that culture, are we going to be able to help them become emotionally and mentally healthier so they can actually do a better job on the street. So Miami, Florida, uh, February 20th, 2020. Uh, in the Florida Today opinion piece, a retired Miami-Dade police officer, Marshall Frank, said he knew 10 officers who had committed suicide during the 30 years of his career. He cites several reasons for their despair, such as emotional distress at home, heavy debt, alcohol abuse, work pressure, and fear. 
Um, they need help, but there is um, the realization that they seek help. Um, there's um, realization that if they seek help for depression, this could lead to an end of their career and an end of their pensions too. So you see this problem that we have in law enforcement. Even if an officer wants to get help, they're really risking losing their job. So it's a catch-22, right? So on the one hand, we definitely want them to get help, and we want them to be healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But if they bring that up, they're likely to lose their job. So what are they going to do? They're going to hide their depression. They're going to hide this kind of stuff, their spiritual deficit. And then we ha- that's the kind of cop we get on the street. And that's extremely dangerous for everybody. It's dangerous for them because they're prone to suicide. They're prone to do, you know, engage in risky behaviors. There's a lot of negative things on that. And so this, in my humble opinion, this is part of the solution. We have to address their spiritual and emotional well-being of law enforcement. And so this is the real deal with the Cornelius Project. Now, I hope a lot of you know who Jimmy Meeks is. Jimmy Meeks is absolutely an awesome individual. He is really, really, he spent 37 years in law enforcement. He became an ordained pastor. Um, He has done seminars across the country um, on church security. Been very helpful. He's traveled around with Carl Chin and Dave Grossman and others. I mean, he's, um, gosh, I'm forgetting names. I'm horrible at names. But um, the pastor who is part of Sutherland Springs, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. I want to say Frank something. But anyway, he's, he's done a lot in this realm. But his true heart is actually for law enforcement. And, and he's starting this new thing, and I forget what it is, but his his whole goal is to travel to every major city of every single state to have a seminar that has a great focus on the revival of law enforcement primarily, but also the relationship of the church and law enforcement and law enforcement and the community. And Jimmy is just a great guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's a passionate speaker. And I really, the reason I'm doing this whole program that's like, what does this have to do with church security, which I'll get to in a minute, but it's really about supporting Jimmy. He, you know, the thing is this, he makes zero money. You know, he's, he's kind of like sheepdog church security. There's almost no money in this. It has to be in your heart. It has to be an intrinsic motivation to help people. And that's what Jimmy has for helping churches, for helping law enforcement. He has this intrinsic um, drive, this calling on his life from God to serve law enforcement. And what I'm going to ask you to do is this, is Google Blue Life Support or Google you know, do a web search for the Cornelius Project, you're going to find him. And if you can provide him any sort of financial um, support, I'm pretty sure he's set up as a nonprofit. I'm not 100% sure of that. But, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks to help him in this mission. I think Jimmy's got the answer to a big portion of what the problem is in this country right now, 
when it comes with law enforcement and community relations. He has a solution. Now, he's working on it on the end of law enforcement and making them spiritually and mentally, emotionally healthy so they can do a bigger job. Now, I realize there's a lot more to this. There's a there's a whole much, there's a very complex situation. We're not going to wave one magic solution. Everything's going to be fixed. But he's working towards that solution. And I just want to encourage you to help. The other thing is this, is how does this apply to church security? Very simply is this. So I live in a very small farm town. If I were to grab my phone right now and I were to call 911, the chances are I would have police here in three to five minutes. No big deal. If they were busy on another call and my call was something like, you know, there's a dog barking in the neighborhood, I might be lower priority. It might take me 20 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes to get a response. But my point is, is if I called police right now and I said, help, somebody's breaking in my house, I would have cops here in three to five minutes. Easy, very easy. I understand in other communities, you're not so blessed. You call the police, it could be 20, 30 minutes, an hour on the, on the quick end. And I've actually heard in some communities, you're lucky if they respond that day. It might be the next day. So when we're talking about defunding the police, when we're talking about even making it harder for law enforcement agencies to do their job, we're talking about extending that response time even further out. I've heard in some communities, I think I, I watched part of a documentary on Flint, Michigan law enforcement, is like you could call in a burglary to your house and as long as nobody was standing in your living room with a ski mask on, it might be days before law enforcement shows up. So does that sound like something we want to defund? Do we want to be worse? Like they will never come. And I've even heard that from some of you saying you call law enforcement. Nobody's coming ever. They're just not. And so is that really what we want? And I would say no, because we as, as um, church security, as safety ministries, we need that support. If we have a protester in the middle of our sanctuary yelling and screaming, causing a, dis, you know, a disruption, we need law enforcement to come there and take them out. If we have a violent intruder who's a, you know, maybe assaulting the wife or attacking the pastor, we need law enforcement to come there to help us with that situation. And so that's why the Cornelius Project, Jimmy Meeks, Blue Life Support, are so important to church security. We need, we need, we need, we need law enforcement. That's all I got to say. Now, like I said, I'm not taking away from reform. Hey, let's talk about reform. I'm happy to engage in that conversation. I'm not afraid of reform. I would say probably 99% of all law enforcement are not opposed to reform. We want to have these discussions. I think about mental illness situations where they would send me to a mental illness situation and as soon as I walk in with my navy blue uniform and my badge on the chest, it caused the person in mental health crisis to escalate very quickly because of the authority and the power that I represent. Sorry about that you know, the power that I represent. However, if medics showed up first, 
then they're more calm. They see them as doctors and nurses and medical practitioners, and they're not as threatening. And so in my humble opinion, I always thought maybe, maybe the ambulance responds first, and then we're sitting around the corner so if things don't go well and it becomes dangerous, then we show up. But anyway, that's just, that's just one example. I'm willing to have that conversation. I could be wrong. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I'm just a, a former cop. But you see what my point is here is this, is let's talk about reform. Let's look at law enforcement with scrutiny. But realize that there's men and women behind that badge that also need to be addressed, that need to be considered and depression and suicide and working conditions and all that kind of stuff is important to us. And so we need to come at this from both ends to create um, a more comprehensive and more effective solution. So thank you so much for listening today. I realize I rambled quite a bit, but I hope that you hear my heart. And more importantly, I want you to hear Jimmy's heart. Um, you know, I. I'm not always the best person to communicate emotional ideas. I get that. I'm kind of the, I don't know, too many years in the military, maybe too many years in law enforcement. But check out Jimmy Meeks. Look at his site, Blue Life Support, the Cornelius Project. Look under that. Do some investigation for yourself, and let's try to figure out the best possible solution for the current challenges that we're facing. So thank you so much for being here today, and hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.